Hello and welcome to the Extreme Cinema Podcast with me, Alexander Sternberg, and Dom Loach. How are you doing, Dom? I am very good, thank you. How are you, Stanny? I'm good, I'm good. Today's film is Cannibal Holocaust, one of the most infamous cannibal films and video nasties of the 80s. The film was a pioneer in found footage horror, as well as one of the most controversial films in the horror subgenre. So, Dom, what did you think of Cannibal Holocaust? It's, uh, it's pretty good. It's, uh, <laughs> not like the Antichrist thing like we did in the first one, but it's close. It, it's far 1980. It's a very good film, and, like, the things it brings to the table are great. Yes, yeah. I agree that uh, the things it brings to the table are real good. I mean, the kind of realism at the end and all that, it's... It's a phenomenal film, and also one of the most controversial things I think we could have chosen to talk about as episode two, because there's a lot of immorality on display on screen, oh. which we'll get into. It's, it's a tough watch. It's a real tough watch still today, but it's so interesting and has a lot to say. Like, it is a, a real film that is also just, I mean, as exploitative as you can get. Oh, definitely. Do you know what I, watching it again, completely forgot about was how much of it isn't found footage, how much of it is just them finding the thing at the beginning. Yeah, and uh, which is by far uh, the weaker part of the film. I, I, I frankly think that part, the direction in the found footage bit is really quite good. I mean, I don't think Data was ever known as some genius director, but it's really great in the found footage segments. Um, but the first half is... It's quite rough. It's a very rough film. I mean, a thing that kind of struck me when we start we start watching the film is if we're going for now weird comparisons, are you ready for the weirdest comparison possibly ever? Yeah, go for it. I want to see what you think of this. I, you really get, in the first half of this film, a kind of 1930s adventure movie feel to it. Honestly, I was watching it and going, you know, this kind first bit of King Kong. It's kind of like them getting to Skull Island. You know what? I do quite see where you're coming from, actually. Like, it, it's, it's got a real sort of into the, into the jungle we go. Uh, you know, we could die and stuff, but it's just that. But also, each scene is a collage of either brutal violence, usually towards women, or murdering an innocent animal. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It is very like that, actually. I've never thought about it, but it could just be like a fucked up Indiana Jones almost. <laughs> like, beginning past. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the thing that makes this film really worth talking about is that that beginning part is sort of turned on its head afterward, but it, it, it not quite. I mean, shall we? shall we start with the directing and how that works and especially just the found footage because you know uh full spoilers as ever every episode of this is full spoilers so you know they're looking for these you know you think if it's a typical cannibal film you think that okay they've been brutally murdered by the horrible uh indigenous people uh and we gotta go find the footage and then they find the footage and then the film kind of turns it on its head and it's like actually these people abused them and were horrible colonialist attitudes and they got what was coming to them that's that's really interesting 
and it's done in a really yeah. interesting way when they've discovered the footage. And I love how flawed the footage they find is, just how grimy and dirty it is. It's really, like, I am pretty sure it's on record that the people who made Blair Witch actually didn't see this, but were like, oh no, this, this is what we've done, like, f- full credit to it. It's, but it's... it's quite amazing that the people who made Blair Witch didn't see this, because it really is, really has that feel, which you get from the on-location shooting uh, of just, we've got a bunch of, I'm guessing, 16mm cameras, and we are just filming the, way, the rainforest. Yeah, is that true? I didn't know that about Blair Witch, that they'd never seen this. Oh yeah, they, 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 it got brought up to them, you know, all over the time, and I think they said something like, we actually hadn't seen this, but credit where credit's due, this was the first. Even though I'm gonna put on my little pretentious movie critic hat and go, <laughs> the films of Peter Watkins, in particular Privilege and Punishment Park, kinda were the first found footage, but this is the first found footage horror movie. Like, this is... This is all the staples of the found footage horror movie, especially, which is the characters dead at the end. Uh, thing into, I think before this was like faux documentary style that never went into horror. Well, I was, I was watching an interview with Deodata, and he really didn't struck me how, he just struck me as a fundamentally normal dude, which for the guy who made this and, you know, Jungle Holocaust, Washing Machine, uh, House at the End of the Park. (laughs) You're just amazed, but he kind of, he says his three main um, influencers, and he was a assistant director on two of these influencers' films, is Roberto Rossellini, who did uh, Rome Open City, you know, Italian neorealist director. Yeah. Sergio Cabucci, who did the original Django movie and some other spaghetti westerns, which is a film I've kind of now decided I need to go back to. And then the fairly obvious one is the Mondo movie films. Um, yeah, I was going to mention the Mondo films as well, obviously. Because that's like... Obviously... That it uses the language of documentary like that does to be a completely sort of sensationalist. Um, but also it's, it's flipping the cannibal genre on its head as well at the same time while also being the kind of Nate Plus Ultra of cannibal movies. I mean, this is the most famous Italian cannibal movie by a mile. Sort of, most people have seen this, and most people don't bother getting around to The Man from Deep River or, you know, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals unless they're properly diving into this. Oh, massively, yeah. It's, um, what you, something else you said that was interesting was how you, like, where it comes back and kind of flips it and kind of almost shows them as exploitative and stuff like that. And that, that's a thing, do agree, yeah, do agree with you on that. But also, the film is in itself very exploitative at the same time. This is the main thing I have down on my notes, and I've written the word dichotomy, and I spelled it correctly. Um, it's um, <laughs> it's this dichotomy because it's kind of it's an exploitation film that's anti-exploitation film and it's um i think more problematically or more interestingly it's a film that is against racism and against sort of this colonialist attitude and imperialism while also being quite racist yeah like like, the film is sort of trying to say go for it yeah because i think i feel like it like obviously what they see on the documentary a faux documentary, obviously, 
is like real rough, like horrible stuff that they do. And obviously the and, filmmakers aren't doing that, but they're still being very exploitative to an indigenous people. And it's not just the animal stuff as well. <laughs> it's not just the being exploitative uh, to the indigenous people by sort of paying them pittance and whatnot. It's the depiction of them in the first half. I mean, I think the specific bit I have in mind is when he's, you know, showing peace and he's walking naked in the river and then all the female, you know, indigenous people come around and just want him so bad. Like, if the point of your film is actually these people are, you know, who in the exploitation movies and the Mondo movies, etc., are portrayed as, you know, savage cannibals are actually pretty civilized and we're coming in and fucking shit up and their response is just just. That's a really interesting point to make. But it's so fucking hypocritical because it's also portraying them as these sort of savages, which the film is then decrying what itself is doing. Yeah, very much so. But then I also feel like at the same time, this is 1980. So you kind of got to give it a little bit of credit for at least saying that in 1980. It's, it's, a very, it's a very clever film. It has a lot to say. I really... If the direction in the non-found footage was better, and if it didn't have to hit these beats of an Italian cannibal, it could have a uh, cannibal film. It could have been a really, truly great film. Yeah, it, it, it's a real seventies attitude to making films that sort of damn morality, or making art in general, damn morality. We will do what we want. I mean, I guess we'll get. Let's get into the uh, animal slaughter now. Um, I was watching interviews with some of the actors in this film and they used the word, two of them used the word betrayed, that they felt betrayed, that when they said animals, would, that they didn't think for one second that meant real animals. And um, the lead woman in this film said there was almost a revolt on set over this. It's, it's fucking horrible. Um, and the, the, Brit the Blu-ray cuts for British Blu-ray are so weird because the marsupial is out, totally out. The cut around that is is pretty well done but the turtle is totally in and that is the most horrific thing in the film a uh, real thing i mean the when they're raping the indigenous women that is also one of the most horrendous things but that kind of means something that's why that's so horrendous this is just horrendous because they've just taken this poor defenseless turtle and i know they chopped its head off but it, it looks like it's still alive and it's hot like that it's just, it's, it's quite unforgivable, to be honest. Oh, yeah, completely. It's, watching it again, I forgot how fucking long that scene is as well. Like, oh my god, it kept going. It, it, it goes on forever, and it's just, it's just not pleasant. And I, I, you can see the justification for it in, like, an artistic, you know, medium that, like, oh, we, we put real animals in this, and then we've got documentary-style fake murder footage, and then you, you're going to think that the murder footage is real, and indeed some people did, which we'll talk about, but um, it's not worth it. I, I, It's not some high art versus low art thing. I do not care if you're Michelle Hanukkah or Francis Ford Coppola or Radea Deodata or Marianne Dora, you don't fucking kill an animal. If you go into an abattoir and film that or something, it's one thing, but you just don't kill an animal. You don't kill an animal painfully, especially for your film. There's just no justice. There's no reason to do this. No, absolutely not. And, like, this is not an... Like, if it did mean anything to the film, it'd still not be an excuse. But, like, the turtle yes, scene I... literally does nothing. Like, like, the turtle scene does nothing. 
It's just, it's just it's like that, Butcher it, and a it, Turtle. It's there to be an exploitation film, which is pretty ironic, as we were saying, when the film is decrying this kind of exploitation, while, wait, we have to kill animals because it's a cannibal film, we need to up the gore factor, so here's this poor turtle we found, sorry. Like, no excuse for the marsupial bit, but at least that looks like it was killed somewhat properly. This is awful. Like, that's, I mean, that the fact that the turtle is in, in the BBFC cuts now, but the marsupial is out, is arbitrary at the biggest, at the highest level. They just don't want to cut five minutes out the film, so they cut something that's 20 seconds out the film instead, so they don't go, Cannibal Holocaust still has five minutes of cuts in this country. And like, you know what? I'm, I'm okay it being cut. I think animal slaughter is where where you draw the line. Maybe when the film gets to 50 years old, which is relatively soon, we can talk about allowing it uncut, but you just really shouldn't. Absolutely. And, and this is, this is that... happening... I know I'm kind of going on a bit, but like this is still happening. People are still trying to excuse this, um, and I, I'd forgotten the details. Like, like Arrow are releasing... I don't even fucking remember what film it is, and I'm going to have to Google it now, so apologies if uh, you hear my keyboard typing. But, like, th- they would they put out a statement being, um, yeah, what's this film called? Years of Lead. It's, a, you know, Italian crime film, because Italians. And <laughs> there's 17 seconds of, like, animal cruelty towards a mouse being cut out. And I saw people in the Facebook comments going, well, I'm not buying this now. I'm against censorship. If, you're, if your decision to buy a film is based on 17 seconds of a mouse being tortured, fuck you. You don't care. What's the point? No, that's very weird. If their entire basis of buying a film is, well, I didn't see the mouse die, so I can't watch this. I, like, what? I get the desire to want something uncut. Like, when I was looking for, like, my Last House on the Left DVD, I'm sure, because the Last House on the Left have fake scenes between consenting adults, so that should be available uncut, but it's an animal, it's a different matter, and you really, you don't need that in your film. Yeah, exactly. And I think this leads perfectly into as well talking about um, the get, the director getting arrested after it was shown at its first viewing in Italy, yes. which is one of my favourite stories ever. Well, I was reading up on this, so he actually wasn't initially arrested for uh, for murder. He was arrested for obscenity. And then some French publication fucking suggested in their review of it that maybe it was real, and the Italian police were like, well, that's all the evidence we need. Sorry, Rodeo, we're charging you with murder. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I love that. And to go get w- his assistant to track the actors down. Yeah, that's like the actors walked into the courtroom and the people were like, oh, maybe they're not oh, dead then. <laughs> we're complete. And you know what's funny as well? Some of the gore effects in this film aren't great, but no. I guess it was so revolutionary with the found footage that it was so believable, even though there's like one bit in it. It's not one of the um, lead actors. It's one of the indigenous people. They're like cutting someone open and it looks like they're just rubbing a stone that has some sort of red liquid on it on them. It actually looks fairly bad. Oh Yeah, towards the ending, right towards the end. Yeah, yeah. The, the effects are not great at all. Like the bit with the pike looks amazing. The bit That's where she's I- iconic. That's horror iconic. That and you, you know how that was done. She sat on like a little thing, didn't she? Bicycle seat. Yeah, it yeah. very well. It, yeah, that's that's genius. But like, if they thought those people were getting cut up at the end, they need to 
watch again because it's just people rubbing like but I guess things I mean, across like I guess it's the found footage. It's just it was so revolutionary at the time. They were like, well, this looks like a documentary, and their brains must have been telling them, well, this clearly must be real. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, I guess because it's so such a new concept, weren't it? Like, I mean, nobody had seen anything like that. To lend Cannibal Holocaust a bit of legitimacy, uh, Sergio Leone. Uh, wrote today a data after seeing this, and I have I've written it out here. He said, uh, "Dear Riguero, what a movie! The second part is a masterpiece of cinematographic realism, but everything seems so real. I think you will get in trouble with all the world." And he was right. I, re- I remember, I remember reading that as well. I love that. I think you will get in trouble with all the world. That's like my favorite. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the most fucking banned movies anywhere. Like, this wasn't... Because the way videos worked here is if you went to cinema, this is early videos, if you went to cinema, you had to go through the the sensors, but video was unregulated until the Video Recordings Act, which is where all the video nasties came in. So when this, you know, was doing the rounds in cinemas, they didn't even bother trying to get it released here. They knew it was an instant ban, basically. Yeah, I mean, that's coming off video nasties and everything, isn't it? So No, I mean, this is the three knew... video nasties we're talking. This, this is free. I, I know. Before I the... mean, it's... Um, we just love to ban things anyway, though. Like, we were... Especially... We were like the country that banned all of the horrors. Like, we loved to do it. And then the video nasties happened, and that was, like, the worst. I think... I looked it up, didn't I? Where yeah, the I mean, country with the most banned and everything, isn't it? Yes, we um, did, which is actually ridiculously shocking. I mean, we have to remember that, as well that for, for some countries, they just don't free. even bother trying I, to release films I mean, in them. Like very religious countries. They might, like, whereas here, everything tries to get released. Anyway. So it is a, like we a numbers were, game. But yeah, we we're like pretty shit. That that's very true. Like, obviously, you're not going to get any of these past in life. The video like any of like Saudi Emoji movie a few years ago, so like the guy behind the times they are. Let's. I want to talk briefly about the main characters, and you know, we talked a bit about its sort of political meanings, but and part of the the film jumping back on itself. One of the things I think is really clever about the film is in the opening scene, you see them, you know, leaving. Uh, for the Green Inferno, and they're sort of all jovial and laughing, and then when you get to the footage, you see that. You see how fucking staged it is. And then you just see them uncut in their personality, and you can see just how artificial the you know their film is. And this supposedly uncut footage is the non-artificial thing. I think it's just, it's such a clever thing to, like, go back on itself and if all these things weren't in cannibal holocaust if it was in a, a, a more acceptable film it would have been studied like by everyone yeah exactly it's like it is genius and these are quite possibly i think i could probably say this the worst people of all time on any film ever the characters like <laughs> i mean it is fucking up there and it's so it's so real like them like we're gonna stage this massacre um and we're you know and you know we're we're in the middle of nowhere there's no laws or they think there's no laws because they're fucking you know colonialist people who think they're better than these people so we're literally gonna rape the local women that shit happens that's why it's so disturbing 
that happens. People have this attitude. There was a scandal recently where one charity, uh, it's not quite the same thing, but one charity, you know, British charity were going off to Haiti post-earthquake. And a bunch of them paid local women who were starving there because they had just had everything they loved destroyed for sex and stuff. And this, this shit happens. That is actually the attitude people have. And this film is so terrifying, or it's, it's its most terrifying, not when it's just killing animals for no reason, but when it's showing that attitude completely unfiltered. Yeah, definitely. I agree because it's terrifying to think that because you're watching the movie and you're like, oh, this would never be a thing. And then you remember that actually this is this was done for a reason in this movie to show that this actually is a thing that like like we talked about before, like that is why it's shown for the ethics of it. And like, as you said, like it is so much more striking when they're showing that rather than just randomly killing animals. like. I, I love when sort of the you know the most intense bit when once you see their murder happens and the head of the studio is just like or the network is just like quietly gets up and it's like yeah burn this all like that's kind of they they recognize that it's morally corrupt but they don't want to do anything about it they're like it never happened good day we're going to get on with our lives because again these are people halfway across the world who live in remote civilizations there's no accountability so they can just be like yeah We've got footage of rape and murder and everything. Instead of any kind of introspection on our part for funding these people, just burn it. We'll move on with our lives. Yeah, exactly. Well, in the film, the people who did it are dead, aren't they? So I guess they see that as some sort of retribution. And then they're like, just burn it and forget this ever happened. But like, I love that. um, I love that whole scene with obviously where he's showing the footage to them. And, like, I forgot every so often it cuts back to them just in silence watching it. And I love that, like, I love that little juxtaposition of the horrible shit going on and then watching I, I it. Love, I love as well how raw the footage looks. Like, there's one bit where they're like, this shot is dark because the aperture is, is too narrow. Look, they fixed it now. I love that. I think that's so cool. It's sort of, there's a kind of bit of a kind of film nerdy aspect to it when they're in the edit suite and they're watching through the old machines and stuff. I, I It's just, it's a real good narrative device. Like, I actually, this film is actually pretty damn good at points. Like, it's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Because you said that beginning half's weaker, which I do agree with. But now we're talking about it, I do see that it adds quite a bit, especially with you saying, like, I don't think that bit should be as long as it is. But with you saying, like, him finding the film and then going back and, like, recovering the film, I think that is very nice to see as somebody who loves film, just kind of like the uncovering of film and then showing it. It's very true, but I, I think my concern with the, it's not even the length of the first half, or I, I talked about some sort of depictions of, of the natives, but the directing isn't quite as good. Like, it really... When the second, when it's the found footage bits and it feels like people were messing about with a camera in the Amazon, it's people messing about with a camera for the Amazon. But in the first half, it still feels like someone messing about with a camera. Like the wildlife shots in this, it's pretty cool because that's real wildlife in the wild, like parrots and uh, marsupials. And there's a type that's real footage and snakes, but it's really not well shot or edited together. And it's quite a shame because it could have been had a nice kind of travel log element to it, which would have added to the kind of adventure movie feel that's very true yeah i do agree with the like they should have been directed differently each part because yeah 
the first part does just still feel like the second part and they should have felt like different parts. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't go quite that far, but I, I agree with like the general sentiment of that. Um, and I don't know if they're worse actors than the people on it, or it's just the, the change to documentary style, but the, the explorers i was just going to call him alan grant for a second it's obviously not alan <laughs> grant <laughs> is his name alan in this why did i say that i i haven't got a clue my... just why i watched the film yesterday <laughs> um like they're quite they're really believable in their roles and so's the in the first half the kind of mercenary and their guide who's going in but the kind of um anthropologist He's not that great. No, or he's good no, walking he's about New York in the corncob pipe. I guess it's the trend to... I guess it's the trend to... Like, the first half, the people are quite not great, but they're a bit more normal than the ones in the second half. So the actors in the second half have a lot more to show off, I guess, their acting talent as well, because they get to do horrible shit. So get yeah. to show that side off, yeah. maybe? I, speaking of horrible shit, there's, I think, what might be the central sequence in this um, is the last road to hell bit. I mean, that there's a lot to say, and I don't quite know how to, how to put it in, because that is a horrific sequence, but it's just, it's got... That actually has a lot of reason to be there. And I just... I love how you see all this, all this horrible war footage. And I think they struck the balance between making their point and actually showing real atrocities, but not, not being too leery. I, I read that there's like, initially, the initial edit was 10 seconds longer and they cut the most graphic bits of that out, which I think is correct. But I just, I think seeing that, and then you've had obviously a strong emotional reaction to it. And then they go, it's fake. Even though some of that wasn't actually fake. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, quite true. interesting. Again, putting you in mind of what's real and what's not in this film. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually, as well. Where it's like, this is fake. I love how they're like, it's fake, and then some of that isn't fake. Which is like, so much of this movie. It's like, what is fake and what isn't? Like, this movie is like, F for fake, you know? <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Uh, and uh, I guess as well, we can't really talk about Cannibal Holocaust without talking about the, the soundtrack because it's R- R- Riz Olinani or Riz Ortolani, dyslexia, a fucking <laughs> amazing, actually amazing music in this. Yeah, definitely. In- incredible. It definitely adds to literally all of the scenes. Like, it feels weird sometimes being over the um, the footage, but you get used to it and like, it's perfect i think like just incredible it's it's incredible and i love how you've got bits of the soundtrack which are obviously like directly opposed to what's happening you've got the really calm serene easy theme tune to a movie called cannibal holocaust but then you also have the like (laughs) synthy heavy bits and they're also really well composed they also hit very hard yeah definitely yeah It, it um like I said, it adds to each and every scene that it's in quite well, which is obviously what you want music to do. So that's good. And I think it is maybe the best part 
of the film, like not even to say yeah. that's a stretch. I, like, I know, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's sort of, if you looked at this film and you tried to look at it as like sort of objective quality as possible, which is a very flawed way of looking at films and it's not gr- very helpful, I think you'd probably come out saying that the score is, is the best part of it. It's a really good soundtrack. I was listening to it sort of while making my notes and doing some research and shit, and I was like, it just... It, it's got it's, it's real nice melodies to it. It's it's real well composed and well well used. Yeah, definitely. Did you know that this film has a sequel as well? Because I did not. Um, what? Welcome to the Jungle or whatever the fuck it's called. Or is that the remake? That's not really a remake of it. No, there's like a 1988 sequel that. I'll tell you how I found this. It was while I was. It's literally just called Cannibal Holocaust as well. While I was looking to find this film on YouTube, this film is literally on YouTube, uncut on YouTube. Uncut? You can't buy it uncut in this country, but you can watch it on YouTube. There's, there was a, a 1988 version, and I was like, what on earth is this? And it's like a, like the same style of film, but it's like a romance almost. It sounds amazing, and we should watch it one day. <laughs> that, yeah, I've I've just seen the poster. That's... That looks so low rent. We have to see this. <laughs> I love it. Starring Mario Melo as Fred. Good Fred. old Fred. <laughs> when you when you call your main character Fred. Yeah. So, do you have anything else? Um. Shall we talk about found footage before we uh, go for final thoughts? Because I mean, we mentioned Blair Witch, but then when Paranormal Activity came out, that shit became totally mainstream. But this has had had such an effect on horror. And it's not just the fact that this was the very first stages of found footage, but also you've got kind of Eli Roth was clearly very inspired by it. I believe Deodat has a, ca- a cameo in a Hostel Part 2, and then he made The Green Inferno, which I never saw. I'm sure it's absolutely fucking rubbish. Um, not great. And that, but the influence of this film is still there. And like at the time before it was put on the dpp's list of actually prosecutable films like no one really saw this because it, it, no one could tell the difference between this and and any other cannibal film like what's the difference between this and jungle holocaust or cannibal ferox who cares but now it's it's such a cult staple yeah exactly like the influence it had is insane especially found footage style and the fact that this was 1980 and then found footage didn't get big until Mid-2000s, early 2010s. Yeah, that's such a huge jump in, like, what this did for that to then get big is insane. And the way the found footage, it both both makes the film more realistic, more hard to watch. It's both great directing and also it really says something when, again, it's turning the film back on itself. So, um, yeah, final thoughts, I guess, Dom. I mean, final thoughts are it's a great film and you should probably watch it, but it's so ethically (laughs) fucked in such a weird way that you should always go into this with, like, a grain of salt. Like, definitely think about what you're watching more than a lot of extreme cinema because some of this is real. I, I agree. I would, I would start exactly how you start. We say it's actually an amazing film and you should watch it. And then I'd say, but I wouldn't blame anyone who didn't. Cause like there's, it is, it is problem. It is sort of problematic with a capital P this. And I, I really don't hope we're being too controversial by saying that 
once you get into the stage of actually doing shit, it isn't anything goes no more. And the film could have been so much better if it was a little more moral. Yes, exactly. I don't think that's a controversial take by any means. People on the internet are weird, even though they are not the majority of people. So Yeah, uh, exactly. (laughs) So we've talked about one horrible, disturbing, awful you know vomit inducing film dom what are we what are we watching next week well next week seeing as we've talked about two films that we actually quite like it's time to talk about something that we hate sterner or you have not seen this yet this is very true yeah episode three will be the amazing megan is missing speaking of films that are real oh so real sterner so real I'm so looking forward to seeing how real this movie is. I cannot wait for you to watch it and hear your thoughts firsthand on this. Oh, it's, next week's going to be a fun episode. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Extreme Cinema Podcast with Alexander Sternberg and Dom Loach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing as it really helps us out. The original artwork for the podcast was done by George Arnold. The Extreme Cinema Podcast, available where all good podcasts are available.